And so, in the introduction today, in, in the book of Hosea, God uses the marriage of Hosea and Gomer as a... And there's two blanks there. Now, who can tell me what fits in those two blanks? I know I put you right on the spot. In the book of Hosea, God uses the marriage of Hosea and Gomer as a... So, and we've, you know, this is chapter 2 of Hosea. And, and so, God told Hosea to go and marry a prostitute, which is really hard, especially if, if you were Homer or, or Hosea, because God is going to use their marriage as an object lesson for the whole nation of Israel. And I could imagine that Hosea is like, well, God, why do you have to use me as the example? And yet sometimes we go through circumstances in our life and we don't understand why God brings us through circumstances. And you know why he does many times? It's for us to be an example of the people around us or for us to be able to help people that go through those same circumstances later on and we've already been through it. God will use you to help other people. And so God, I'm sure Hosea was not happy at all going through this. But God was doing his very best to to try to get the people of Israel to wake up, to come back to him and, and to get out of the uh, idolatrous that, that um, relationship that they had with the other idols. So, not only that, it shows God was showing Hosea just how he felt when when the nation of Israel would go off and serve other gods. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in, in my life and in Carrie's life when we've had we went through some really difficult circumstances, and we've had people in our family that treated us pretty bad. I mean, really bad. And I'm sure you probably have. Been. And when you go through a circumstance like that, and it's like, it's like it just almost just just rocks you to, to you know to your very core. And then, and then I just remember going through one of these circumstances and, and just the pain going through it. And then I, I thought about God, and I'm like, is this how you feel when I treat you like this? And so maybe God brings circumstances to show us how he feels when we sin against him. And that's what was going on in Hosea. Okay? And so, um, in the book of Hosea, we've already went through chapter 1. He's already kind of told us what happened in the whole book. It's like, here's here it is. You've got uh, uh, Israel is going into idolatry. They're going to be punished and then I'm going to bring him back and I'm going to set him back up again. And then we're going to go through that in every chapter. It's like in a circular motion. And it's like in every chapter we go through, God will give us more details. Okay? So, Hosea chapter 2. And let's go ahead and read 1 through 23. I don't know how much we'll get done today because i got a lot here. And so, uh, we'll just see what's happening. So, chapter 2 of Hosea. Verse 1 says, Say unto your brethren, Ami, and to your sisters, Ruhamah, and plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, 
neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put her away, her whoredoms out of her sight, and her adulteries from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with thirst. You think God's upset with them? Yeah, verse 4. And I will have, and I will not have mercy upon her children for they be the children of whoredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make her a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. And then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband for then was it better with me than now for she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold which they prepared for what's what's it say Baal that's what God is just pouring out his heart he says hey guys Israel I'm giving you your stuff and you're taking the stuff I'm giving you and you're giving it to Baal Okay, no wonder he's mad. Verse 9, he says, Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. And now will I discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she hath said, These are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels, and she went after her lovers, and forgot me, saith the Lord. I think I'll stop right here, and we'll just kind of go through our hand down and see what we can dig out. Number one on our handout, I have a sinful wife, which is Gomer, and a sinful Israel. Everything you read in the book of Hosea that is referring to Gomer, which is the wife of Hosea, it's the same thing that the nation is doing. So, like I said, the, the marriage between Hosea and Gomer is an object lesson between, between Israel and God. God is representing Hosea, or Hosea is representing God, and Gomer is representing Israel. So the two of them, Israel and, and Gomer, the prostitute lady here, are basically doing the same thing. Okay? So a sinful wife is sinful Israel. So right off the bat, God pleads with Gomer, number A, on, or letter A on your handout, to put away her sins. So he sent the prophets to tell the people, every time you see a prophet in the Old Testament, the people aren't doing what's right, and God has to send a special guy in there to tell them 
what they need to do. So every time you see, you know, you see Isaiah, you see, you see uh, Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah, Hosea is the prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel that went into captivity with Assyria. Jeremiah was basically the the one the prophet that God sent to Judah and the southern kingdom a hundred years later in the same boat telling them the same thing. So Hosea and Jeremiah are basically telling the nation the same thing. Straighten up or God's going to come and take you into captivity. And the interesting part, we're going through the book of Hosea in this room right here. The next room over, Pastor Steve's going through the book of Jeremiah. I found that kind of interesting. But uh, so uh, today he has Pat. Pat Lee is in there talking about what idolatry was in the Old Testament. And so at some point, I may have him come in here and teach in here about the idolatry because it's the same thing. Okay. So he pleads with Gomer to put away her sins because we have a good God. He wants us to do what's right. You know, you see people in society and they're not doing what's right. In your mind, you go, if that person would just straighten up and do what's right, it'd be so much better. And we see that. And yet God sees that all the time, okay? And so he's pleading with Gomer, and he says in verse, um, let me see, in verse 2, is he says, plead with your mother. He's talking about the two kids, the three kids actually, that Hosea and Gomer have. He says, now you plead with your mother because you're probably seeing this also. He says, plead with your mother, plead for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. God had got to the point where he gave Israel a bill of divorce and says, I'm done with you. Okay? He says, I'm not her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. So I was thinking about that. What's the difference? What's, what, I understand what whoredoms are, and I understand what fornication is, but it separates them out to two different things here. So what are they? So number one, on your hand, her whoredoms are fornication. They are the illicit sexual acts that she's... It's, it's her going out and having sex outside of marriage. That's what they're talking about. Says, Put away your whoredoms. You know the bad thing about Homer was? She just wasn't doing adultery. She's doing it for what she can gain out of it more than more than pleasure. Than pleasure, she's doing it to get things. Okay, she's doing it to get things. And so whoredoms here are fornication. They're illicit sexual acts. And then it says her adulteries. Okay, so what are the adulteries here? And actually, here we're talking about her idolatry. She's doing. It says here. Look at verse two. End of it. It says, Therefore, put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries, because it says her adulteries are where? From between her breasts. Okay, so so uh, I guess it makes no difference if you're a man or a woman. If you've got something between your breasts, it's usually on a necklace. What do you put? What do people put on necklaces? Well, today they kind of put crosses, but but apparently they were putting idols chains and hang them around her neck. And God says, hey, put away your sexual acts and put away your idolatry from between your breasts. And so let me tell you this. Two, these two evils are, are involved here. Adultery and idolatry. And they, they go like this. They are disconnected. Okay, They are together. 
So he says he's pleading with Gomer to put away her sins. And then the second thing I think you have there is that he pleads with Gomer to put away her wronging. Why do people sin most of the time? They have the wrong thinking. They're not thinking straight, or maybe they are. Choose to do it. But what was her wrong thinking here? Well, verse 5 says, For their mother hath played the harlot, she that conceived them both hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. She's stepping outside the marriage with Hosea and she's going after other men that's going to provide things for her. Now wait a minute. Let's think about that for a minute. Who provides for our needs? God does. She has the wrong thinking. Number one, she has the wrong thinking because she's thinking these other guys are going to give it. What what about Homer? Was he I keep calling him Homer? What about Hosea? Hosea is her husband. Is he not providing for her what she needs? Yeah. He was. But she had the wrong thinking. Well, i, I got to go outside of God. I've got to go outside of my husband. i got to go outside to these other lovers to get things. That was her attitude. Okay? So she's got the wrong attitude. She has the wrong thinking. She believes that her lovers are providing for her needs. And no, God provides for her needs. And her, you know, she probably didn't go to Sunday school class and learn that, did she? I mean, we learned that in Sunday school that God provides for our needs. Philippians 4, what? 4.19. Not our... Maybe that's the difference between needs and wants. She she want, she wanted more than what she needed. Maybe that was the problem with Gomer. But um, so she she's concerned about getting more things. Okay. So and let's look at the list here. Verse five says uh, she goes. Uh, she's going to. She thinks her lovers instead of God and, and Jose are giving her her bread and water. What's your, when you have bread and water, what is that? What would you consider that? Food. Her food. Okay, so food goes in the blank there, if you have a blank. And then it says her wool and her flax. What would that be? Clothing. Clothing. And I had to think on this one. What about her oil and drink? Now you notice each one of these, these are separated out in three different groups. So then the last one is oil and drink be a luxury. She would, they don't need oil and drink to live, but you know what? That, you know, I'm sure you get tired of drinking water all the time. You might want some grape juice. That'd be a luxury. The oil that God gives you is, is, is a luxury. You can use that for uh, cooking. You could use it for medicinal purposes. It's something that, that helps your life out. You don't have to have it to live, but it is a luxury. And so all three of those things. Gomer was one thing. Here's what Gomer's thoughts were. It's always greener on the other side of the fence. Now guess what? I had a couple cows like that. <laughs> Didn't I, Carrie? Didn't we? And they would get up there and they would stick their head through the fence. And our fences, if you live in Kansas, your fences are never really good because it's so stinking rocky. I mean, your fences just... Or at least ours. Okay. 
So, so the cow would just push through the fence, and then the next thing you know, your fence is laying over, and, and they always wanted the grass on the other side. They had a whole 80 acres of grass. This one did. But no, they had to stick their head through the fence and push the fence down and, and try to get the grass on the outside of it. And then, if that wasn't enough, they'd just go through the fence and go to the field next door. And always on the Okay. About an hour after he'd leave for work. Yes, Carrie went the same thing. We lived on a farm. We had cows, and and one day, Easter morning, I'll never forget. I looked across the road in front of us. We lived way off the road, but I looked across the road, and the neighbors and I go, "Hey, the neighbors bought some nice looking cows." (laughs) And I'm like, "These are nice looking cows." And then I walk by the the window again a little bit later. I'm drinking a cup of coffee, getting ready to go to church Easter morning. And I looked again, and I go, that's not his cows. That's our cows. So we are on Easter morning in our nice clothes trying to get the cows across the road. Uh, yes, I remember that very vividly. So it's like these, that's, that's the attitude that Gomer had. It's always better somewhere else. Okay? And so uh, I've had cows like that, but, but you know what? There are people like that too. There's a friend of mine that, that came, that is a Christian now. He came from Malaysia. Okay, so he's he's Malaysian guy, so over by, you know, Asian. Okay, so he comes to America, and you'll never get this. He came to America right after getting out of, I don't know if he went to college or not. He must have. He's a smart guy because he wanted to see a cowboy. He, he had seen John Wayne movies in his in Malaysia, and he wanted to come to America to see a cowboy. Well, he came to Kansas City, and he didn't see many cowboys. But but anyway, he ends up meeting some people, and he ends up getting saved. And he now he, he well, I was going to say he was at Midtown, but now he moved to Hawaii. So I'm telling you, he's not a he's not a. I need to go see him. You're right, Carrie's like we got to go see Richmond. But I mean, he's a smart guy. But he, but, but he became a Christian. He's writing Christian books. He's doing what's right. But anyway, he goes back home to see his, I think, his father. His father had remarried. I think his mother had passed away. So he goes back to Malaysia and brings his new wife with him. And his wife is from here. And so she stands out like a sore thumb when they go. In fact, she's a real tall, tall lady. And he's kind of a short guy my size. And they're kind of an odd couple. But anyway, he goes back home to see his fan, his dad. And he He's at home, and he and he's at his dad's home, and his dad is not a Christian. His dad is an idolater. He he just worships false gods. And and I will say this, and I almost laugh, but here's what happens: when he went into the house and he was there a little bit, he goes into the room, his study or something, and there was a bookcase there, and he's got idols all over this bookcase, and he has them all stacked up on top of like a totem pole. Okay, well. The one on the bottom is the the god of money. And there's a money symbol on it. And he has all these other idols stacked on top of it. And it's sad, but so he tells his dad. He goes, Dad, why are your idols all stacked up? And why is money, your money god, on the bottom? And he says, well, I've got him in order of priority right now. And the money god has not been very good to me. And he's serious. 
And so he just worships these gods, and whichever one is is the best to him, he puts he brings it up higher on the level. And so that's kind of what Gomer's doing. She's also worshiping false gods because if, if things are going good with her, she, they're 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 likening and they're giving credit to these false gods instead of the real god. Okay, so. Um, uh, so let me let me kind of bounce back to our story here with with Gomer's just acting like I said. Do you suppose that many of the divorces today in our country result in one of the couples? It doesn't have to be the woman; it could be the man too, having the same attitude as Gomer. So what's that attitude? They're more concerned about getting more stuff than what they have now. And if they think they can get more stuff with going with a different gal or then going with a different guy, they'll just jump ship like that. Do you think that happens? Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot. It does. I think people are not satisfied because they have the wrong thinking. They've got the wrong attitude. They didn't go to Sunday school. And if they did go to Sunday school, they didn't learn it. Okay, That's what is going on with Gomer. Okay, So she has the wrong attitude. She has the attitude that I always want more. Okay? So that was the second one. So um, God is pleading with, and Hosea is pleading with Gomer to put away her wrong thinking, put away her sins, put away her wrong thinking. And the last thing is, was pleading with Gomer to not give her provisions to Baal. Remember we read that a little bit ago? In verse 8, it says, For she did not know that I gave her corn, this is what I'm talking through Hosea, that I gave her her corn, and wine, and oil, and I multiplied her silver and gold, which they, or basically she, prepared for Baal. So God give, gave, gave her all this, and she was turning around and offering it back to Baal. I'm telling you, God's not happy with her. So as a result, number two is God's punishment. Okay? So many times God's punishment are meant to bring the person back to repentance and restoration. God always tries to restore people to Him. He doesn't want to send people to hell. He wants, he, he wants people to come back to Him. And so when he allows bad things, so when the question happens, when God allows bad things to happen to good people, it's probably bad things happening to bad people because we're all bad. But when he allows that to happen, he's trying to get their attention so they'll go back to God. How many times do you think it happens when when you have a situation in somebody's life and, you know, a a circumstance just hit the fan. I have to watch my language here. The The situation hits the fan. And so what do people do? If they're smart, they go back to God and pray about it. Okay? Well, did they pray during the week before that? Did they pray the month before that? Or do they just wait till it gets a bad situation and, they, and then they start praying to God? That is the right way to do it. You do need to go to God when you have that. But So God uses bad situations in people's life to bring them to Him. He really does. And so, you know, the question always goes, just how far will God let somebody go down the, the sinful path until he yanks their chain? A long way. 
because he wants them to come back. He doesn't want to punish them. When when we stand before God and when people will stand before God at the great white throne judgment and they will be judged for what they did in their life and since they don't have Christ as, as the their redeemer, they're going to have to pay the consequences themselves and the consequences will be the lake of fire. There is a point when God says enough is enough. Okay? But it hasn't happened yet. Okay? So, many times God brings punishment in life to help bring us back to Him. Okay? So, God's going to do some things. He says he's what He's going to do to uh, Gomer as well as Isaiah, or not Isaiah, uh, Israel. In verse 3, He says, He goes, Lest I strip her naked. So, I'm going to go through some bullet points, I think. He's going to strip her naked. He's going to make her as the wilderness. He's going to set her as a dry land. He's going to slay her with thirst. Again, you can realize that he's just not talking about the woman Gomer. He's talking about the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes here. He says that he was, uh, in verse 4, that he would have no mercy on her children. Okay. Verse 6 says, he would not make her prosperous. Okay. And then in verse 9, God says, I will take away my corn, my wine, and my wool from her. If she doesn't realize she's getting it from me, I'm taking it away. You know? And then in verse 12, he says he's going to destroy her vines and her fig trees. Verse 11, he says he's going to cause her mirth to cease. And in verse 11, he's going to cause her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts to cease. Now again, we're talking about Hosea, Old Testament. So we're really not, God is, this is not us. But yet, we can learn from some of the truths in this that God kind of treats us the same way. God's going to be treating America the same way as this. And there's going to be one difference between America and Hosea, which we'll find out in a minute. But God is always going to put punishment out there. If you do the crime, you're going to do the time. You're going to do the punishment. And so he's he's giving these out, and, and, and Israel is going to go into captivity in a foreign land. And 30 years after Hosea says this, they're gone. They're carried away out. Captivity. It'd be like God coming in and saying, Okay, America, I've given you a chance to repent, and Canada is coming in. It's going to take all you guys up to Canada, and you're going to have to live there the rest of your life because you did what was wrong. That's what's getting ready to happen here. Okay? I mean, can you imagine that? So he says he's going to cost her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts to cease. What do you get from that? What kind of a person is Gomer? She's a religious person. Wait a minute. Just because you're a religious person doesn't mean you're you're worshiping the right God. You know, you hear people talk about, oh, that person's a religious person. Or that person, he, he goes to that, that particular church. He's very religious. If you're not serving the right God, you can be religious all day long. It won't do you any good. And so he, she's going, and, and, and not only that... Let's just say, let's just say she, she is going to the temple and, doing, and observing the, the, the religious services, but with the wrong attitude. And God's going to go, if you're, not doing it, if you're not doing it, number one, 
worshiping me. And number two, you're not doing it with the right attitude. You're just going through the motions. You're just acting like it's a religious service. You don't really have a relationship with me. He goes, um, I'll just cause, cause all these feasts and things to cease. Okay? You know, like people in India. Now, I don't know. Has anybody in here been to India? Rex went to India. And so they have all these gods. They have all these religious services and all these feasts and celebrations and all that. But they don't mean a hill of beans because they're all false. They told Rex and, and them not to take any pictures of Jesus because they would just put it on the wall and, and worship him as another God. As another God. And that's not what God wants. God doesn't want to be worshipped among the false gods. He wants to be worshipped as the true God because there is no God outside of him. But yeah, so I mean, there are people today that have idols like we were talking about. Okay, like in my husband's aunt, in her house there was an altar and she had all, like, Baal, and she had uh, Mary, and she had all kinds of things on that altar that, you know, so that if, you know, and I thought, I don't know, wonder why she has so many, but it's because if one didn't respond the way she wanted, she would go to the other one. There you go, just like my friend Richmond's dad. And so just like Gomer here, she's she's got multiple lovers that she's stepping out with on her husband to give her things and she's doing the same thing with the idols she has multiple idols because she thinks she's getting her need, her wants and needs from those idols and yet they're just just a statue they're they're nothing the bible says you know they're they're dumb they can't speak they can't think they can't do anything okay so you know it's kind of sad because you can still see places around our world today that people are living just like Gomer did in the Old Testament okay so uh, but he goes I'll t- if if you want to be religious he goes I'll take those away too he take he's trying to take everything away from Gomer so she'll wake up and she'll be like the prodigal son and what did the prodigal son do when he finally came to his senses he went home that's what God's trying to do with Gomer. That's what he's trying to do with the nation of Israel. And yet they just keep going away from him. Okay, So, I mean, that's all bad all the way up until God's restoration. Okay, So let me go back here and we'll read a little bit more. Because the book of Hosea is very interesting. It's, it's uh, the people are doing wrong. They're going to be punished for their wrong. But yet, I'm going to restore him over and over in the book. And so we've just been going through this whole spiel about all the bad things that God is going to take or, or, or going to do to them because they're not following him. And then you're just thinking about he's just about ready to with them. And he says, verse 14, therefore, and my, my Bible, I have a paragraph marker there. It says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. And bring her into the wilderness. Now, now, who's he talking about? He's talking about. Well, he's talking about. I know, but who's he going to lure? He's going to lure the nation of Israel. He goes. I'm going to allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortable unto her, and I will give her her vineyards from thence. Now, wait a minute. He was just saying he's going to take them away, but now he says he's going to give them back. And thence in the valley of Achor for a door of hope. And she shall sing there. Now Israel's going to be singing. So it's like the whole thing just switched from doom and gloom. 
to restoration here. And in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came out of the land of Egypt, and it shall be at that day, oh, wait a minute, every time we read that, that verse, that day in the Bible, we're talking about the second coming, we're talking about the tribulation, we're talking about the end of time. And at that day, saith the Lord. So that tells me the nation of Israel will not be restored until that day. So we're talking future. So this book was 700 years before Jesus, B.C. We're 2,000 years after Jesus, and this still hasn't taken place yet. But it will. Okay, And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Ishi, and shalt call me no more Bailey. For I will take away the name of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day, again, get the context, will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, and with the fowls of heaven, and with the creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth, and will make them to lie down safely... And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day. So over and over, he says, we got to realize when this is going to take place. At that day... I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them, which were not my people, thou art my people. And they shall say, thou art my God. So we're seeing a complete flip here. From like, from like instant death to now God restoring. I'm like, okay, so what happened here? Of course, the time frame is not going to help the people back in Hosea, but it will give the people hope that at one point God will restore everything. So, um, God does restore. In your hand, I have Israel has a promise of restoration. Okay. That is not given to any other nation. Now, now think about that. God has not given any other nation this promise of restoration. He has not given it to the United States. He has not given it to England. He has not given it to any other nation on the face of the earth except for one nation, and that's the nation of Israel. So... That promise of restoration is given to Israel. But she will not be restored until God's punishment on her is fulfilled. So let me ask a question. Just how much punishment is enough for Israel? They have went through... Think of the things that Israel has went through as a nation. Just time and time again. From the, from the time of Hosea, uh, just 30 years after Hosea is telling them to get right and they do not, God pulls the plug on them and Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, comes in and carries the northern tribes to Assyria. Captivity. A hundred years after that, 
the tribe of Judah is not doing what's right, and God uses Nebuchadnezzar to come in and carry the southern tribes into, into Babylon. And then God brings the remnant back under Ezra, and the nation gets started again. But then it got up to the time of Jesus, and 70 years after they rejected Jesus, the Roman government came in and leveled Jerusalem, and they haven't been a nation until 1948. The capital wasn't put back in place until just a year or so ago as being Jerusalem. And so you see things kind of slowly drifting back to Israel. But yet right now, Israel is still like Gomer and still not believing in God. And it will they will not do that until the tribulation, until they wake up and realize, hey, we messed up. We rejected God, we rejected his Messiah, and we need to do what's right. And so uh, that won't take place but for a little bit. If it wasn't for God's promise of this restoration, nobody would make it. Nobody would make it, okay? How much are God's punishments? I don't know. There are a lot, I do know. Uh, A, it says, God will eventually bring Israel into the wilderness. Now, did you catch that? Did I read that in our passage? Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, the her is Israel, and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortable unto her. You know that wilderness is a reference to what God will do to Israel in the tribulation. So uh, turn over in your Bible to Revelation chapter 12. So we're going to see here in the book of Hosea some prophecy that you won't see just anywhere in the Bible. That's why a lot of people don't read Hosea. That's why Satan does not want you to read Hosea. You know why? It talks about Israel's restoration and his demise. And if I was Satan, I wouldn't want us to read it either. You know? Revelation twelve fourteen says... Let me get where I'm at... And to the woman, the woman here is Israel, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she may fly into the, where does it say? Wilderness. And unto her place where she is nourished for a time, that's one year, times, which is two years, and a half, which is three and a half years, which is the last half of the tribulation. So if you come on Wednesday night and hear Pastor Brian talk about the tribulation and the three and a half years in the wilderness and the and lady going into the wilderness, well, God will protect those people from the Antichrist. We're, this is it right here. This is the passage where God is getting ready to restore his people. Now, if they get wiped out by the Antichrist, he can't restore them, can he? So he's going to protect them from the Antichrist when they are told to flee to the hills, not hills, I'm sorry, to the mountain. My wife and I are still trying to figure out how do they know which mountain to go to. I don't know yet. But when they go to the mountain, God, or to the wilderness, God will provide for them. Okay? So, we're talking about future events here in the book of Hosea. So, he's going to speak comfortable unto her. He's going to give her provisions. And she shall call God Ishi back in Hosea. And Ishi means, in your blank there in your handout, it means my husband. And not Bailey. 
Because Israel's been calling in the book of Hosea. Israel's been calling God Bailey. And you know what Bailey means? Master. Now, you ladies are, have been married, or most of you have been married. Do, do you like calling your husband husband, or you'd rather call him master? Rex. He likes master? I'm going to have to talk with him. No, I just said the name. <laughs> okay. But, but see, see the attitude that's different between God and Satan? God wants us to call him father, or he wants Israel to call him husband because he wants that type of a relationship. Satan doesn't want that type of a relationship with us. He wants us to call him master. master. See the difference? Mm-hmm. And so uh, big difference. So I got to wrap things up. Under point four you have God's covenant. So I may not get into all this. We'll just I'll give you just a, my, a, a quick view of it and then we'll look at it next God uh, has makes a new covenant with Israel during the tribulation. And guess what it's called? The new covenant. Very interesting, right? But this covenant, it's called the new covenant in the Bible, is one of four unconditional covenants. When God, when God pulls his people back in in the tribulation, he will do a new covenant with them. And this covenant is unbreakable. Nothing will stop it from happening. There are four covenants in the Bible that are that way. But this one is unconditional, unbreakable. Nothing can stop it from happening. Which if you were a Jewish person, you'd take great pride in that. Because, But you know what that tells me? God will not break His covenant and His promises with the Jewish people. You know what that tells me? I'm not Jewish, so why should I care? Because if God won't break it with them... He won't break the promise He's given me and you. When He tells us He's going to give us eternal life, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's a done deal and nothing can break that. So just like we have those promises, the the Israelites have promises also. And so this covenant will provide a restoration for Israel. And so next week, I think we'll get into it. So you, you got to come back next week. And, um, I'm sorry, two weeks. So, and, and for Reed and Lenore, you're just going to have to read the rest of Hosea. <laughs> okay. Or go online and listen. But the whole book of, of Hosea is God's love for Israel. And he treats them like a wife. And he wants them to treat him like a husband. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He wants us to be... Now, let me... What did it say? Well, you guys are wrapping up. Let me go to the last verse I read today. The last verse I read in Hosea at the end here. This is what God wants. He, he wants the people to say, Thou art... He, he's going to say, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. That's what God wants. That's all he's ever wanted was a relationship. And so that's how, that's how great our God is. He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want, and we need to have a relationship with him. So if you have a religion instead of a relationship, you're not cutting it. We need, we need a relationship. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you about just how deep your word is word is the promise
promises that are in your book, Lord, that, that are, are given to, to your people, the Jewish people, and yet the promises you give to us in the New Testament that, that are for your people. And Lord, you, you have a purpose for, for both of us, and you want a relationship with both of us, and help us to, to, to see that. But Lord, I just pray that you would just soften up our heart and help us to always want the relationship that we need in the right way back to you. And so I pray for everyone that's in here today as we leave here and, and go home that, that we would just focus on how much you love us and then how we can love you back. So we pray for that today. We pray for Pastor Brian as he preaches the main session. And Lord, we just uh, ask your blessing upon that in Christ's name. Amen. I have a prayer request.